folks. This week's Red Voice. It's a pleasure to have you here with us as we dissect two unpleasant games against Watford and Wolves. Just the uh, small matter of Barcelona on the horizon after tonight's defeat at Molyneux. But oh, we'll be fine, surely. Uh, you and Rich on duty tonight. Rich, how are you faring? Well, not as well as the last time I spoke to you, but not too bad. Well, that's quite measured from you, to be honest. I expected more fire and brimstone. <laughs> No, I'm, I'm fairly sanguine about the whole thing now, I think. Fair enough. I mean, I guess we start off with uh, Saturday's rather squeaky 2-1 victory against Watford. And, you know, after the uh, defeats against Arsenal and then Wolves away in the Cup, I think after the international break as well, we all kind of expected a bit of a raised level performance. We did not get that. <laughs> we, what was the report after the game? Solskjaer described the uh, dressing room as uh, like a funeral, uh, which... To be fair, that's not too dissimilar from how we played for most of that game. It was pretty poor all round, really, wasn't it? Yeah, it's something we saw a number of times under Mourinho, obviously, as well. Just so depressing seeing teams come to Old Trafford and just completely outplay us in a technical sense. You know, Watford are a decent decent team, but frankly, we were all over the shop. And, you know, to see see United incapable of holding possession, incapable of transitioning the ball forward, effectively enough it's it's just really difficult it's difficult to watch and it's just difficult to to see us be so abject and the ironic thing was that the, some of the worst performers were the guys who'd had two weeks off you know I mean Matic and Herrera were absolutely horrific in that game I think Herrera's pass completion ratio is about 70% which just is abysmal we won because we effectively counted on two occasions and Watford are a bit flaky at the back but they should have beaten us to be honest oh well it was a bit of a surprise really wasn't it that we actually managed to get two goals ahead you know a wonderful counter-attack for the first, great pass by Shaw, and a really confident, you know, considering it was outside the edge of the area when he actually got that touch to pass it beyond the keeper, I thought it was a great goal from Rashford. But, you know, I think we did steady a little bit after that goal, but we were struggling to get any sort of foothold in that game. You know, Watford were confident they were passing the ball, and again, it was one of the situations where we just didn't really seem to have much in terms of an answer. You know, again, you know, midfield was another hot topic for debate this evening, and on Saturday, we just didn't really seem to have one, especially in that second half as well. Watford started on top and didn't really relent. You know, they were they were good value for at least getting one goal in that game for sure. And I think we were somewhat lucky to get the second. You know, it was good work by Dallow and Martial's done well to get that out from under his feet and made sure he's stunk in the back of the net. 2-0 down, you're thinking, well, United can just sew this up. But no, yeah, things just aren't that easy for us these days. So that late goal conceded certainly made it a bit more tense than it needed to be. But it was just a low-energy affair. You know, the the way in which we struggled to have any sort of foothold in that game was alarming. And, you know, moving on to this evening, looking at how that game against Wolves went in the FA Cup, you know, the what we all wanted to see tonight was a bit more energy, a bit more penetration, and just us moving the ball quicker. And to our credit, we did that for a good chunk of that first half. You know, and we had, what, three decent chances and probably should have scored at least two goals before Wolves eventually equalised. But I guess we'll go back to McTominay's goal because that's really been the high point of the last couple of days. What a strike for his first goal for the club. Yeah, it was. I mean, he's been better in recent weeks when he's played. I mean, I know we've criticised him a lot in the past, but he's clearly becoming more confident in... His himself and his role and his ability, and he he was obviously playing a bit further forward this this evening with Fred kind of playing as the bottom end of the diamond, so to speak. Yeah, I mean he was just in in a position where he just it's one of those shots he just hit absolutely perfectly, wasn't it? And the, the pitch was nice and moist, and he just skidded into the bottom corner, and it was a really really nice, really good goal. And and, and at that point, United thoroughly deserved to be ahead. 
No, I mean, we'd, we'd started off that game very well. You know, the Kaku had a header from Dallas Cross that really either side of Rui Patricio, that's going in. That's 1-0 in the first several minutes. And, you know, he had a ruffled night, did Romelu, unfortunately. But... Yeah, I mean, it was encouraging that start, if purely because there seemed to be some variation and some point to the way we were playing. You know, the way in which our midfield was so anodyne and so lackadaisical against Watford, you know, bringing in Fred and McTominay seemed to be the antidote to a certain extent, didn't it? You know, we we were vibrant. We actually had a point to us. And one of the things that we struggled with so much in the FA Cup game against Wolves was basically trying to break a team down. And by playing so much quicker, we kept them on the back foot for the majority of the first half, or at least that first chunk of it anyway, until they equalised. But the worrying thing was, is that we didn't take advantage of that period of dominance. You know, Lingard has to score that goal. I know he's trying to place it because he's, you know, he's not jumped for that header at all. And it was a great cross to find him. But any more power on that header and it's going in. Patricio's not saving it. And that was such a killer because it wasn't long after that that they actually... Uh, was it Jota who got the equaliser? Yeah. Yeah, talk yeah, me through that one. I mean, I saw the goal go in at the time, but I missed replays. So who's at fault for that one? It's all t- mostly Fred. United, if it, it, it's a situation we've been caught out in before where we've tried to... Essentially what happens is De Gea has the ball in the, in the area and the two centre-backs split. The defensive midfield drops into the space just in front of where the, the centre-backs would normally be and receives the ball and, and sprays it around from there. But my problem with it is that we don't have the players to do it, and we've got into trouble with it before this season. And if you, you look, we've got a keeper in De Gea who isn't great with his feet. We've got Fred who, safe to say, has a slightly suspect touch at times. And you've got at least one centre-back in Smalling who is absolutely awful on the ball if, if Fred lays it back to him. Mm-hmm. So we're playing something which, you know, if we had Fernandinho and David Silva and Laporte behind him and, you know, that, that quality of, of player in those areas, then you can do that risk-free. But we did it and, and ultimately Fred, not for the first time, his, his touch was appalling, he was robbed of the ball. And then we just went into panic stations and Young played Yotta on side. He was a, a yard or two deeper than the two centre-backs and played him on side and then it was a relatively simple finish for Yotta. The disappointing things about it were that one Fred had had quite a decent game to that point he was actually one of the architects of United moving the ball so quickly and causing Wolves so many problems and also the fact that as soon as we conceded the goal we just fell apart which is not the it's not the first time we've seen that and I suspect it won't be the last no it's just the mental fragility that is a recurring theme regardless of who the manager is and I'm not sure what the answer is and I'm not sure what the fix is for that but once Wolves equalized it was alarming how quickly they were on top in that game and we didn't really carve out anything for the rest of that half apart from Lukaku's shot across goal and I'm to be honest given the angle I'm not necessarily sure he should get pelters for not scoring from there maybe he could have pulled it back to one of the I think it was what Lingard and McTominay who were in the centre of the pitch who maybe could have sorry the centre of the penalty area who maybe could have directed it goalwards but you know I think it says something that that was essentially the only thing we created after that. You know, Wolves just did exactly what they did in the second half, almost in reverse to us when we played them at Molyneux a couple of weeks ago. You know, they look dangerous every time they go forward. And one of the really... uh, It's not alarming because this is not a surprise, but galling, I think, is the best word to to describe it. Whenever there's a 50-50 ball or Wolves win the ball back, their use of it is just so much better than ours. They've got such a good understanding. They're so well drilled when it comes to keeping possession. And they 
very very rarely waste it at least in the two games that we played with them recently you know it's hilarious that you look at it they got beat 2-0 by Burnley in between beating us so there's definitely inconsistency there and they struggle to raise they get themselves to that level when they're playing so-called lesser teams but against United whenever you know in the last two games that we've seen against them their use of the ball their passing and their awareness of where other players are and the fact that they've constantly got options buzzing around each other to pass the ball off move it quickly and to probe us is just light years may not be the right term but it's so much more advanced than we're currently capable of producing you know we don't have that level of adaptiveness to our game just yet we're not quite at that level where we can get balls moving quicker through midfield and then release the likes of Lingard and Martial you know it's just not happening for us in that way and that's something that Solskjaer now as the permanent manager because we haven't done a podcast since he got the job has to improve on you know our, our control of the game lately has been pretty poor and you know as we went into the start of the second half what was it two yellow cards in the space of five minutes for two fouls on Yotta. I mean I am hesitant to say that tonight is on Solskjaer because ultimately we missed several really presentable opportunities and should have scored at least two goals, if not three, given the chances that we carved out for ourselves. But there is no legislating for Solskjaer, at least maybe in the fact that he picks these people for A, Young getting himself sent off, and B, the own goal. It was just shocking. It's difficult to know where to start. Start with the red card. Well, the red card was just simply the ultimate outcome of... Ashley Young just being absolutely awful all night. Basically received the ball on the on the right hand side. Didn't his touch wasn't particularly great. Bounced away from him and he dived in two footed and relatively recklessly trying the ball back. Got the ball first and his trailing leg went straight into the shin of the Wolves player as he followed through and, and it's just, it's another yellow card. I think it's probably reasonably telling of his contribution that that United were actually better with 10 men after he went off than we were with him on the pitch at that point. You know, as you say, Solskjaer can't legislate for having Ashley Young as his right-back. Although, you know, I think it was an interesting decision to to start Dallow further forward. And given given that Young is an absolutely appalling defender, I don't really understand why we just didn't don't give Dallow a bit of a run in that right-back position. But anyway, Young was terrible, got sent off, so at least we haven't got to see him at right-back next game. Well, unfortunately, I've got to choose Saul. No, exactly, yeah, which is is more of a problem because he's the only left-back at the football club. (laughs) Well, Darlian and Valencia are both out injured at the moment, so uh, who knows? (laughs) I don't know what's going to happen there, but yeah, I mean, from a man as experienced as Ashley Young... Yes, maybe McTominay's pass hasn't done him a massive favour, but you just need a little bit of control in that situation. You need a calmer head. You need to not basically lunge in in the way he did. And it happens now and then. Footballers aren't robots, so they are going to make mistakes every now and then. But that five-minute period from Young was terrible, and it was symptomatic of his game, really, wasn't it? Mm. Wasn't on it, and I guess maybe the 3-5-2 didn't play to his strengths, but the lack of ability that he has... to actually defend and become a consistently positive <clears throat> force in the side was really on show tonight. But I, I guess the only positive thing you can take after that is the fact that we actually kept taking the game to Wolves. You know, we had more of the possession, mm. but maybe that was just by design. You know, Wolves were completely happy then to basically sit back and wait for their chance. And unfortunately, we delivered it to them on a silver platter. You know, Jones and Smalling, I don't know what on earth was happening there. And De Gea doesn't cover himself in glory. I guess you could start by saying that because Delo's blocked, he doesn't get out quick enough to stop the cross coming in. 
But the way we coped with that was just schoolboy defending. It was ridiculous. You know, neither player got anything close to any sort of decent clearing touch to it. I don't know what De Gea is doing there either. He had a pretty poor night by his standards. And, you know, I don't know necessarily what's going through his head at the minute. I don't know whether or not that's part of something bigger, whether that's symptomatic of the contract troubles that he's having with the club at the moment. But he, between him and the back four, it was a shocking night for our back line, really, wasn't it? I've got a serious bee in my bonnet about that goal, Phil, and, and De Gea's part in it. If you, if you watch him, he doesn't do anything. I mean, he literally does nothing. He stands dead straight and starts to turn his back on the ball. It's a Sunday league goal, goalkeeping. I've got, I'm really frustrated with De Gea at the moment. We're in a situation with several players where obviously their contracts are, are coming up to towards their final year or, or even the end of their contracts in the case of Herrera and Mata and in De Gea's case it, it looks like from what's been reported that he's asking for a salary which is to some degree parity with Sanchez now I can understand why agents are seeing that as a benchmark and asking for, for huge amounts of money for for their players but I look at De Gea's form this season and I don't see a guy who's worth £400,000 a week to United and that, that really pains me given that he's been the most wonderful goalkeeper for United over however many years, was it seven, eight years he's been at the club? It may even be nine. But it just, he's not hes not been the same this season. And I i cannot think or commit to the idea that we should be paying him that much money. And that goal just summed it up for me. There's just something, he's not right. There's not He's not right. He's not all there. And I don't know if the World Cup damaged him. I don't know if he's got ideas that he'd like to move this summer or the contract negotiations are bothering him or whatever it is. That was abject goalkeeping. I mean, he wasn't even goalkeeping. He didn't do any goalkeeping, and that was the problem with that goal. Aside from the calamitous defending that you, <laughs> you described. <laughs> well, I mean, it wasn't just down to Smalling and Jones, really, was it? I don't know whether or not Jones coming on for Fred, which was an odd move at the time, and it really hasn't gotten any better in the subsequent 15 minutes of play. Uh, but now Lindelof and Smalling and Jones all had terrible nights. You know, it just wasn't good for many of them. And I know that Lindelof tends to look better when he's playing alongside Smalling. At least, you know, you've got him pushing forward every now and then with the ball and offering us an option who's someone who will stream forward. But, you know, it's it's just so many aspects and our deficiencies were on show tonight. You know, it was the inability to take really great clear-cut chances, which is something similar that we saw against uh, Arsenal a couple of weeks ago. It's the inability to respond to setbacks, which we've seen several times, well, multiple times over the last five, six years. That is something that uh, Moyes, Van Gaal, Mourinho and now Solskjaer have struggled in-game to manage and still try to search for an answer for. And it's just the inability of some of the players that we still have at the club. And that's down to the managers who sign them. You know, I'm... You can't lay the blame at any one person for this as a collection of faults that have got us to where we currently are. And that's still not a terrible situation. But, you know, at the end of tonight, having lost this game, I'd be very, very surprised if United somehow make top four. You know, as you've mentioned on Twitter this week. Yeah, I mean, Spurs moving into that new stadium, that is almost definitely going to give them a boost. Arsenal are looking relatively solid at the minute. You know, they weren't remarkable against Newcastle last night, but they did more than enough to win that game. Uh, Chelsea who knows what's going to go with them at the minute they look a little bit lost but you only need two of those teams to play really well and shut us out and we've got two massive games against Chelsea and City at home and I've no idea what we're going to see in those you know it's it's difficult to know United are at the minute seemingly coming to the end of that initial bounce that Solskjaer provided whilst you know we've got players who are 
not running on empty but looking a little bit jagged at the moment you know the pressing style that we were employing and the quick fast counters have just not necessarily completely dried up but i think Solskjaer has pushed some of these players to their limits based on what we dealt with in the first half of the season now one of the things that i did want to talk about you know after you know the terrible home goal and the terrible red card and a terrible result um because you know Solskjaer has been given the reins for the club actually we'll come back to my question in a little while Solskjaer getting the job you have feelings on them rich i did, I did. Uh, explain them okay well i'd start out by saying that what the short-term improvement that Solskjaer engineered at united has been nothing more than Incredible, absolutely exceptional in the way that he rejuvenated the the atmosphere and the squad and and tactically and you know and just made the place a lot happier and and his handling of the media was exceptional as well. Going from a guy who was purely a stand-in, you know, it was meant as a, as a caretaker just to keep the role until the summer when we go for a permanent manager. It's completely natural that a run of games like that would put him right in the frame for being the permanent manager, and I absolutely agree with that but I was a little bewildered that United made the decision when they did we'd just lost two games and it was always inevitable absolutely inevitable that there would be a downturn in form because it's simply not possible to keep that that level of performance going indefinitely but it seemed to me that United should have waited to see how Solskjaer handled that inevitable dip that inevitable decline in performance as players got injured or tired or other teams worked out his tactics or whatever else. I just have this nagging feeling that we've, as is Edward Ward's way, as he, as was his way with giving Mourinho a, con- a new contract when he didn't need to give him a new contract, that he may, we may have gone in too early and appointed Solskjaer. And look, Solskjaer may turn out to be one of the most magnificent managers United have ever had, or he may turn out to be completely unable to rectify the problems that we have at the club the reality is we don't know we don't know either way and having another two months of information particularly given that that we were we were in a dip in form would have allowed us to explore other opportunities whilst also getting a better idea of just whether that initial bounce was a honeymoon bounce a really well engineered honeymoon bounce but honeymoon bounce that wasn't sustainable or whether it's something that he could keep going for longer so I see now, I saw against Watford, I saw in the defeat the previous week, and also tonight, a team that looks like Mourinho's team. Oh. Well, no, no, that's, perhaps that's not fair. The first 25 minutes tonight were excellent. I, that wasn't a Mourinho team. I can't, I can't say that was. But most of the rest, the last three games, have it's looked an awful lot like, like a Mourinho team. Uh, I mean, I dispute that to a certain extent, Rich, just because I think some of the problems that we're seeing tonight, as I said, are more symptomatic of United as a whole over the last five, six years, as opposed to being something to do with Mourinho. Because we did not make that many chances in games as we did tonight, as we did against Mourinho. Yes, there's still that mental fragility and there's still this element of senior players making mistakes and several of our best players just chugging their way through the match and not necessarily offering anything you know not to name names but still I wouldn't tonight didn't remind me of Mourinho tonight reminded me of the whole post-Ferguson landscape to be honest yeah I mean I I was gonna I was gonna say that there were huge mitigating factors you know losing Rashford was enormously damaging tonight I think he would have made quite a bit of difference as you say you know clearly there, there are issues with the squad with the balance of the players that that haven't gone away and so sustaining the sort of performance that we saw for the first or the sort of results particularly for that we saw for the first three months wasn't ever going to be sustainable without significant change at the club that was that was absolutely certain so I don't think we could have ever expected 
Solskjaer to continue that level of performance. But I'm just I'm just seeing the same sloppiness. You're right that we produced, you know, we should have been three goals up in that first 25 minutes. But it's just the same sloppiness that crept in under, under Mourinho. I think my point is, Oli may be able to rectify that. He may completely turn it around and we qualify for the Champions League this season. And I, I don't know that he hasn't got that wit within him. You know, he's done pretty impressive things so far, so he might do. But the reality is, we, we, neither do we know if he could turn this slump around. We just, we just don't know. And I think that that's what, what I'm saying. I'm not saying Oli isn't up to the job. Um, I'm not saying that he's not going to ultimately do very well. But the reality is, I don't think we had enough information when we jumped in and made the decision. Sure. He needs to, you know, ultimately, he, should, he shouldn't be judged until he's had his summer to, to make the changes he wants to make, if he's backed by the club. And then, you know, he goes into next season with everything as he wants it. He's got his pre-season. He's, he can get the players as fit as he wants them. Everything is perfect in perfect conditions. And then we see how he does after that. But all I'm saying is that I think we, we made a needless decision at a time when we didn't need to. That's, that's really all. I get where you're coming from. I mean, I wrote on our blog just after we beat PSG that I felt like he should be the next United manager because I couldn't see how anyone else could come in and have the similar effect. And that was uh, four games and three losses ago. So yes, the the landscape has definitely changed a little bit. And it, it is a test now for Solskjaer to really prove himself, isn't it? You know, there is an element that whatever happens between now and the end of the season must be kept in context and must be kept in thought with what happened with Mourinho for the first four months of this season, what happened in the summer. Yes, there were mitigating circumstances in the sense that the board essentially just refused to back Mourinho financially to a certain extent and wouldn't bring in the players that he wanted. But, and I pointed this out on the account earlier on, it's very important that we remember that when if Solskjaer doesn't get us top four, then that's not on him. No, no, no. <laughs> you no. know, we were nowhere near top four no. when he took over. Top four was a distant dream and we yeah. put ourselves back in contention. Now, what is happening at the minute is more symptomatic of the problems that United have been dealing with. And as you pointed out, we have managed to gloss over it with that initial bounce that we were enjoying over the first three months. Now things have taken a turn. It is a massive point for Solskjaer to be able to take this team and do something else. And there were signs that in the way that United at least approached the game tonight, that we learned some lessons from that first game against Wolves. Taking on the challenge now of battling United's mental fragility, which we saw tonight after we conceded that first goal, and trying to mitigate those sort of errors that we saw from the likes of Smalling and Young, and you know, I guess De Gea's errors, you know, because he's saved us so many times and hasn't chucked him under the bus. But it is about trying to turn this team, which is a bit ragtag, which is a little bit of a mishmash of the, the visions of several managers sort of jammed into one, and take them to another level and actually prove to them that they they are actually capable of challenging in the league and they are capable of challenging for trophies and that is not an easy thing to do and Solskjaer has got a heck of a lot of work and the club has also got to do a heck of a lot of work to adequately back him because ultimately you know we look at our defense now you probably ship two of our centre-backs out the second you could as soon as the transfer window opens up in the summer and not only that I don't think we've got a truly, truly adequate midfield pairing to go with Paul Pogba at the moment. You know, you look at Matic and Herrera, they were absolute dirt on Saturday. And Fred and McTominay, for all the good work they did before the Wolves equaliser, all it took was that one goal and we just seemed to fall apart. You know, it, you know we've got, what, Matic, Herrera, Fred, McTominay, Pereira, 
two or three of those players I'm not necessarily hugely convinced by and if Ferreira is going to go as is being banded about in the press you know there seems to be some sort of conflicting reports of whether PSG are truly in for him but if it's true that he wants to up his wages up to 200 grand a month and United are simply saying no then it's one of those situations where realistically as much as I like the guy and as much as I'm grateful for the effort and we all love a guy who loves the club and coming from the Basque region of Spain and coming over to United and quote unquote getting it that's been wonderful to watch but having said that United need to do better we have to do better in terms of the players we've got available in midfield we have to have better options maybe at left and right back maybe in centre back as well we've got to improve in some way in almost every area of the pitch and that means that the board have got to back Solskjaer in the summer there's just no getting around it part of that's bringing a director of football part of that is bringing in the right players and we do have to whatever happens between now and the end of May Solskjaer will get that opportunity but it is absolutely vital now and we've said this so many times there's a massive summer coming up and this is obviously on the back of a bad defeat and who knows the players might suddenly turn this around and we look like world beaters against Barcelona who by the way drew 4-4 with Villarreal tonight but still there's a lot a lot of work 4-2 down in the 90th minute yes that's true but they were initially 2-0 up so what have we learned from that basically we know Barcelona can concede goals we know they can also score a lot of goals too which doesn't really leave us anywhere no it doesn't I mean I'm, I'm, I'm relatively positive about the summer and there's there's a few reasons for that one I'm pleased that we've we've come to the conclusion that we should just let guys like Valencia and Darmian possibly matter go on free transfers rather than you know this ridiculous um, habit we've had of renewing contracts just so we can extract hopefully potentially extract a few million pounds in transfer fee at Mm. some point in the near future I know a lot of people don't agree but I'm slightly heartened by our stance with Torreira as well if it's true that he's asking for 200,000 pounds a week and PSG are offering significantly more then I think the club are absolutely right not to not to relent to that because what we need to do is we need to we need to accept and I'm sure I think we have accepted probably that we made a mistake with with Sanchez and oh, his wages. God, yeah. That his wages are a huge outlier, and we cannot allow them to become the benchmark by which all negotiate all contract negotiations for now on are are, are made. Ultimately, Herrera is a, a good player. He's a hard worker. He's dedicated. He's you know, but he's not a t- top level footballer, and I don't think he's worth that level of wage to United at the moment. And, and I know it leaves us having to buy another midfielder, but I don't see that he's worth that. And I, I've got this hunch, and many of my hunches are completely wrong, so what do I know? But I've got a feeling that United aren't that fussed about keeping him, or Solskjaer isn't that fussed about keeping him. I mean, realistically, if they were, they would have already tied him down to the deal and they wouldn't have let it last this long. You know, I think that's the same with Mata. I think they would have resolved both of those contracts a lot sooner and not allowed this to drag on if they were really desperate to keep them. And I'm in a similar boat with the feeling on matter at the minute as well, because a, a nicer man has not played for our football club. You know, he's an excellent, excellent human being, which is, you know, it'll be sad to see him leave purely because he came to us at a difficult time and we haven't necessarily seen the best of him. We didn't get the, che- the player that we bought from Chelsea that we thought we were getting, but he still provided us with a lot during his time at the club realistically now if he signs on for another year that's as a squad option you know because he can't really start in what Solskjaer's vision so far anyway to this team is it just doesn't it's not going to work and I think it's it's a summer to be brutal about realistically the type of player that we want to keep around obviously we've got to be careful because you know we can't just get rid of 
Valencia and Darmian and Mata and Herrera and, you know, maybe a another and then suddenly just expect to cherry pick four or five replacements of high class and just slot them straight into the team and expect it all to work. But United can't keep relying on players that ultimately aren't at the exact level that they want. You know, you do need a couple of players, the likes of McTominay, maybe Pereira and Fred, who can help to do a job and slot into a coherent and hardworking and consistent side. But ultimately, we've got too many players who fit that description. And, you know, it's just not quite where we want to be. You know, I think it's going to be very difficult to suddenly try and get us up to, you know, the level of quality and squad depth that City have, for instance. But we've got to start. You know, we've got to make a, a point of doing it at some stage. You know, the work arguably started by letting Fellaini go in January. You know, it was a very quick turnaround considering that Solskjaer got the job in the middle of December and was effectively telling Fellaini, yeah, I don't want you, go. <laughs> but yeah, we need that level of brutality going forward. And I have been trying to avoid, you know, trying to argue against the concept of shipping out Deadwood for some time because I think that on that covers over the cracks that, you know, there are still symptomatic issues with this United team that won't get solved by just shipping out some substandard players but ultimately is going to be part of what will be a really huge summer for United if that actually happens. And I think realistically at this stage, it's just got to, hasn't it? It has, but if you think about it, we, we spent very, well, relatively little money last last summer compared to to previous summers. Um, so in theory, we have a larger pot of money for, for signings and wages than we, than we would normally have had in this situation. The other thing that gives me some heart, as you say, is the fact that Solskjaer clearly didn't, want Fellaini didn't have a use for Fellaini and, and we got him out the door very quickly and generally speaking Ed, Edward Wood aside from his absolute incompetence um, in Moises one summer has generally looks like he, he's, he wants to please his new manager in the first in the first summer and in fairness to in, in both LVG summers and Mourinho's first two summers you know the well, first two seasons we did spend a lot of money and we got eight players in the door in over two years for Mourinho. Um, and I think it was something like, I've got it, 12 or 13 for, for, for LVG. So we did a lot of business. And I think I think there will be a will and the money to do a lot of business this summer. Um, but I just hope, and I think I, I, I'm, I'm very positive about the fact that I think we Ollie will be pretty brutal. Um, and that a lot of these players will just be out the door. And... I mean, you, you mentioned the director of football thing, and it, again... Yeah, that thing that we talked a lot about over the, the season, but I haven't actually done yet, still. Yeah, it's interesting. I've been reading about this the last couple of days, and it sounds like we've actually got two or three potential appointments in-house that, we, that we're looking at. I think one of them is John Murtar, and there were a couple of others. I wonder if we're just taking the season to basically just see if the, there's a, a sort of top-quality external director of football stroke technical director that's available that would fit with what we want to do but if there isn't then at the end of the season we appoint one of the guys internally who we've got our eye on and I don't mind that because in the interior if we're going to do that anyway then those those are the guys who will already be formulating with Solskjaer and with Edward Ward the, the transfer policy anyway thinking about Herrera particularly it wouldn't surprise me at all if we've already got a midfielder lined up and that's why we're just not committing to anything on Herrera We've already got a replacement, you know, on the hook. I think it's been re- really, really interesting summer. The one thing that, even if we miss out on Champions League, that heartens me is that as awful as Europa League is to experience and to have to be in, 
what an opportunity! What an opportunity to play to play the guys like Mason Greenwood and, and Taz Chong and Angel Gomez and James Garner, even Ethan Laird. That you know those those kids that really look like they've got the potential to be top class footballers for United. You can't bring them in in the Premier League to any great degree. You can't you can't blood them in the Champions League. But if you if you're in a competition that you know it's not the end of the world if you don't win it, you'll be playing a lot of teams of a lower standard than you would normally face domestically or in the Champions League, what a chance to give those guys, give those kids some more game time. And that's really one of the things I'm looking excited, I'm really excited for. And one of the things that that Oli really has in the, in his credit list is is his willingness to give those those players a chance. And so, you know, in respect, even, even if we miss Ch- Champions League, as I think we now will, I still feel there's quite a lot to look forward to next season. Well, that was a bit of a turn up for the books there, Rich. I quite enjoyed that. That was wonderful. Uh, well, I had yeah. sweeping strings going on as you were saying that. It was gorgeous. <laughs> Every so often I have, pos- I have a positive thought. Well, yeah. I mean, it's just a bit of a low point at the minute. You know, it was a rough performance on Saturday and this evening realistically didn't really go that much better than when we played Wolves several weeks ago. So it's disappointing stuff and especially with the way that Arsenal and Chelsea picked up their points at the weekend. Chelsea, God knows how they got that victory. Now it's just disconcerting and it's frustrating that, you know, we got ourselves into this position and, you know, familiar failings have pulled us back to a point where we now don't look as much of a cert for top four as we would have done a couple of weeks ago. But, you know, we still have to look at the situation as a whole and look at the context of this season as its entirety and say that realistically it was a surprise when, given when we were in December that we were in with a shout at all. You know, I think that's realistically all you could have asked for from Solskjaer when it came to his appointment. Just hope that we can do something decent in the league. And we have done something decent in the league. You know, now we're looking forward to Barcelona a week on Wednesday. Good grief. I mean, again, going back to tonight's result against Villarreal, what's that proved to us? Two things that we already kind of knew. Barcelona aren't that amazing defensively, but they sure as shit are good at scoring goals. Um, And I don't necessarily think either of those two... Well, I mean, we're definitely not great when it comes to defending, but we're not absolutely excellent at scoring goals. So how in the holy hell do we even approach that game? I've no idea. It's it's tough having the home game at first I think anyway just oh yeah yeah generally in your, in your opinion you know he didn't he didn't help us in the PSG tie to be you know ultimately although obviously we got through in the end but that would, in the way the the first leg panned out it's difficult because you can't throw yourself forward too much because you just then you know you, you expose yourself to conceding away goals we know the Barcelona can cut us to shreds and if we demonstrate the level of ball retention that we showed against Watford or even at times tonight they're going to just destroy us Mm-hmm. And it really is a. It really is a. It's quite intriguing, but also slightly terrifying as to how we're going to face that match because I'm not sure we can stop them. The only way to get through that tie is to score more than them, and I'm not sure we could do that either. I, I think my hope now is at least we just give a good, a good account of ourselves, and if we could be in the tie going into the second game, then you know at least it put, it makes it interesting. And I, I just don't want to see us get absolutely annihilated because I think that would have a really deep psychological effect on everybody. Yeah, I think it will. You know, I think there's the impact of potentially going into the Europa League and what that has on the players that we currently have at the club combined with what sort of players we can then bring in and then getting mullered by Barcelona is not going to help anyone. So, yeah, and and as you said there, it's the problem with playing the first leg at home. You know, the the real issue with playing Barcelona, as it often is, is that they can afford to get away with having a bad first leg performance because they're always so annoyingly good at home. 
Mm. You know, it's just it's such a difficult one to approach, and it will require us to be even better than we were in that second leg against PSG over the course of pretty much three hours of football if we've got any chance of going through that tie. It, you know, I, I fully appreciate that Solskjaer is looking at it in the sense that you know mountains are there to be climbed, but realistically, this is going to be a bridge too far for us. But, but I mean, that same point, I'm still looking forward to it, and there will still be that excitement building up to the game and hope that we can actually produce something. And who knows? Maybe we will get the United that played that second game in Paris. Maybe we'll be as organised as we were for the second half in France. Maybe we'll be able to be as lethal in front of goal with the few chances that we create if we can hit them on the break. Who knows? You know, We'll find out next week. But before we finish off for the night, some questions. At Guard MUFC, can the board survive this? Are they the holy cow of our club? Surely they have to acknowledge they have done a shit job for six seasons. Are they untouchable? Can the board survive this? Yes, they are the board. Who's going to get rid of them? Well, I mean, you know, as, as, as many people pointed out, whilst I think that the Glazers would it would be nice for them and they would they would be pleased if we were winning because they, they certainly bask in the reflected glory. They don't need us to win. The club's the club's value has risen exponentially from when they bought when they bought it. You know, it's, it's ultimately if when they if and when they do sell their share, they're going to make billions of dollars from an investment they actually put very little of their own money into. Um, so I think it's about 200, 200 million, 250 million of their own money, and the rest was dumped on United in debt. Winning would be nice for them, but I don't think I don't think that's what they judge. Edward will buy or Richard Arnold or any anybody else who's making the most important decisions at the club. So no, I can't see any scenario where members of the board, particularly Edward, will get sacked by the Glazers. No, I mean there is no accountability once you go past the manager. You know, Woodford's been able to get away with what several botched manager appointments, some terrible purchases of players who have basically been sold for a pittance or really not fulfilled their potential. And, you know, if he can get away with that for the last five or six years, considering that we haven't put together one credible title challenge over the course of a full season since Ferguson's left, then there really is no accountability. There's no way you're going to get rid of them. Uh, at United Fan Mank, how do you see our Laurel and Hardy centre-back pairing faring against Barcelona? Um, uh, at Barry Stott? No, I mean, <laughs> I mean well, what, what do you say? I mean, it, it, I would hope it's going to be... Lindelof and a another but I mean on this basis and on this evidence and what we know of Chris Smalling he's in for an absolute shit of a night I mean he did so well against PSG and it's just this ridiculous level of inconsistency where he can look like nothing is going to get past him for that second half and he was so commanding and he was so in charge of what was going on around him to a certain extent to that tonight like oh I don't know At Barry Stott, where do you stand on Pogba? Performances like tonight are all too frequent. Yeah, when it comes to Pogba, he is still, by some distance, our best creative outlet. Even when he's not on his, even when he's not at his best, he can make something happen out of nothing. When he's having a bad game, he can still produce. But the problem is when he's not having a great game. He doesn't have those moments of magic. Like, for instance, when we were playing against Chelsea, he wasn't necessarily in the game and then dug out a remarkable cross to header to get us into the game. And we didn't let it go from there. When he's not doing either of those things, he just looks like a passenger. Well, I think one of the other one of the other problems is that, you know, players have ebbs and flows of form. The problem for Pogba is that he's literally our, our only creative outlet. Yeah. If Pogba has a bad day, then the team has a bad day because there's nobody else to take up the slack. 
So every performance that he has is magnified three or four times. You know, even tonight, we didn't have the, the greatest of games, but he produced one beautiful little pass through to Lukaku, which is, the I think, the shot that he just dragged inches wide of the post towards the end of the first half. Mm-hmm. And did a couple of other things. You know, I think the thing is he he has natural ebbs and flows in form. The, the reality is that because of the lack of creative talent elsewhere in the midfield, if he has a dip in form, then it takes the whole team down with him. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I mean, again, it's magnified because he is Paul Pogba. And, you know, lots of chat going on about him perhaps going to Real Madrid. I do wonder what's going to happen this summer if we don't get Champions League and whether or not he will start thinking about looking elsewhere. Because realistically, he came to join the club in order to challenge for the top honours, right? And we haven't realistically gotten anywhere near top, top honours in the time that he's been with us. And... That would be a gigantic shame and I would be gutted to see him leave. Because we don't have any extra creativity in midfield, bar him, when he goes missing in games, it just it's shown up in such sharp relief, isn't it? And it's a tricky one. And I, Solskjaer seems to be at the, of the persuasion that basically we're going to be planning for the season, trying to build a team around him. So personally, that's what I hope we stick with because as we all know, when he is on it, and even sometimes when he's not on it, he can do things that no one at the club and sometimes most players in the world can't even do. And he is vital to us and it is important. I know we said this before about getting the right caliber of players around him in order to let him do his stuff because when he is allowed to do his stuff, when he's in the mood, he's absolutely incredible. Right, at mkarimi23, if we sign better midfielders next season and Pogba still has performances like that tonight, is it best to cash in? Uh, well, um, no, no, let's agree on that one. Uh, at Wheeler55, Joe Wheeler, was it a bad idea to announce Oli as manager after the first downturn in form had started? Yes, I think we've covered that, haven't we? I, I think it was. I think it would have been better just to leave it a few weeks to see if he could arrest this drop in form. Right, last one of the night from Oye Apanye. Uh, why didn't Ole take Ashley Young off before he got sent off? I was following the game on Twitter and even I knew that he should have been substituted. <laughs> Um, is it just what was it a lack of options I mean I have to go back a couple of hours to United's Twitter feed to remember who was on the bench but dear oh dear it was a disappointing performance and Dallow again had a bit of a tricky evening I understand why Solskjaer started with him out as that right wing back essentially because he's got such explosive pace and also because he's one of the best crosses of the ball that we've got on the entire team which is mad when you think about it but you know, a right back again is becoming one of those positions where you look at and think, yeah, we need to strengthen there, especially if we're losing Dallow and sorry, uh, Darmian and Valencia this summer, which certainly looks to be the case. But uh, you know, I mean, I, I was saying this weekend and the days leading up to this game, replacing Matic, considering what a stinker he had against Watford, was going to be one of the priorities of this of the summer. And now after tonight, what's the priority? Have we darted back to centre back? Are we looking at right back? God even knows. I mean, again, I don't, I don't, I don't think we're miles off. I think, I think we need a right-sided forward. I think we need, um, if if wherever goes, I think we need a couple of midfielders, a centre back, and a right back. So five players, which I don't think is completely beyond the realms of possibility. I don't think we're miles off. I think we just need to bolster areas where we, we're particularly light. No, I'd agree with that. I mean. It's one of those things where the anger quickly came out of Twitter, as it invariably does in these sort of circumstances. And yes, it's disappointing. Yes, it looks like top four might be a bridge too far, especially if we continue on like this. But there's still plenty of the season left to go. And if we're going to get downcast after a result like this, considering that a couple of things go our way here or there, you know, Lingard 
gets that header and buries it and McTominay takes his chance as well you're looking at a completely different result yes it's fine margins and yes it's frustrating but it's not like we're completely all at sea and it's not like we are completely stinking up the place not yet anyway you know let's touch wood and say that doesn't happen between now and the rest of the season but it's not all doom and gloom and there's a very exciting game to look forward to next week you know time will tell if we come back after that Barcelona game and we're talking about a 4-0 masterclass drubbing at the hands of Barcelona but for now let's just try and get a bit of perspective sound about right yes yes onwards and outwards we go again as oh god don't say that footballers so often tweet after an abject defeat this does not slip now right okay mate let's leave it there thanks for your company tonight mate (laughs) And you, mate. Cheers. Guys, thank you very much for listening. Hope you've enjoyed it. Don't forget, you can get us all over the internet and Twitter to start off with. You can get Rich at at Rich Red Voices, me at at you and Leonard, and the pod at at Red Voices MUSC, blog at redvoices.net, and you can find the podcast on Apple Podcast app. You can find it on Spotify, Spotify? Spotify, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Have yourselves an absolutely superb week. We'll be back after Barcelona. Cheerio. Take care.